the reality is often pretty ugly uh, if that's that's the the attempt it's always like well meaning but usually it ends with uh, lots of people doing a very half-assed job and the customer actually suffering because of it our job to tell better stories and always remember it's the risk takers that are rewarded people are sick and tired of being marketed to and they're sick and tired of being sold the single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying hello everyone so glad you're back to listen to another episode of the growth hub podcast um, we managed to get together with Martin Koiva, the CEO and co-founder of Klaus. Martin joined us from the sunny Portugal. Now, Klaus is a customer service quality management software. That's a mouthful. <laughs> that grew from Martin's personal pains um, in building and leading a global customer support team in his previous job. Basically, Klaus wants to build, a, build customer service that doesn't suck. And I think we can all get on board with that. Talking to Martin, we also learned that there are three pillars to successful customer support, which you hear about later in the episode. And those, my friends, may I add, are really useful to every SaaS marketer too. So here we go. Enjoy episode 88 of the Growth Hub podcast with Martin Koiva from Klaus. Hello, Martin, and welcome to the Growth Hub podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Um, so I, if I understood correctly, Klaus was actually built on the pains that you felt when you were building and leading a global customer support team um, in your previous job. Um, can you talk about a little bit about those pains um, for you, what yeah. they were, and maybe a tiny bit broadly as well that um, about the struggles you see companies have about customer support <laughs> yeah. currently? Sure. So uh, my previous job was uh, running customer support globally for Pipedrive, uh, which is a sales CRM, which uh, I guess uh, in, in, in Estonia and Finland, some folks would know. And uh, the, the, there were many struggles, obviously, over the years. We went from, uh, I think, five customer support agents to about 60 or 70 by the time I left uh in three three different locations doing uh, fifty thousand requests per month in the end i think and uh the, the there were many struggles but the the main one that kind of became the foundation of klaus uh was the struggle for quality and uh, keeping up the actual uh quality of the conversations so not just like getting answers out in time and making sure that everybody gets an answer. That's kind of like the basics of the basics, but ultimately you also want to make sure that how you talk to customers and how, what kinds of answers they are getting from you, uh, that, that, that the quality in the content of those conversations is good and you are kind of moving in the same direction and you're synchronized as a team. And that can be very, very difficult if you are growing quickly, if you don't have the processes in place and, well, frankly, if you don't know what you're doing, which is often the case with startups. And the, the, the faster you go, the bigger the problem is. And so we found that the, 
basically the the modern tools like Zendesk and Intercom and all those are very good for making sure that the 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 plumbing works so that things get directed to the right places and you're giving quick answers and all that but there was no obvious way of making sure that you're actually giving good answers if you have a team of 20, 200 and thousands of uh, conversations happening at the same time. So as the, the head of that, that department, I felt this um, constant nagging fear that like th this can't all be good. Like we're not reading all these conversations and surely we're not getting even feedback on all these conversations. So we were getting very high marks for customer satisfaction, but uh, you only get customer satisfaction ratings for a tiny fraction of your entire volume. So then the uh, constant fear was like, what is happening with the rest of the you know, 80 or 90% of the conversations that nobody's saying anything about and nobody's potentially reading other than the agent and the customer. So, uh, that was the underlying fear that drove us to start this process of like internally reviewing the conversations. First, it was a meeting, then it was a spreadsheet, then turned out that there was no tool for doing this at all uh, with the modern customer support tech stack, uh, like using those same tools like Zendesk, Intercom, Freshdesk, etc. And uh, that's kind of how Klaus started. So we decided to build a tool that allows you for this these internal reviews, uh, and uh, it it quickly developed into like a full on SaaS platform. Now we do many more things. Like there are lots more components these days. We also do the actual customer uh, satisfaction surveys, and we have you know, machine learning algorithms like scanning for outliers and serving them to you. Uh, but that's that's how it started. Like this basic need for a or a, a, a way to uh, do internal reviews if you have a big team and you're going growing quickly. And this is something that is uh, obviously shared with uh, many other companies. And uh, that's that's kind of our business. Are there um, other kind of big bottlenecks or challenges that you see when you talk to companies that they have about their customer support, like other than this, you know, quality of the tickets or the conversations that they get in? But what are the some some of the other big challenges they might be having? Yeah, well, I mean, the the universal one is always hiring uh, because uh, customer support is. Uh, it's like a, um, a strange area of business because in one way it's like an entry-level position but like looked at from another angle it's maybe one of the most important things because these are the people that actually talk to your customers you know the people that pay you money uh, every day all day long so it's it's kind of a like a, not necessarily a high paid job always, and uh, at the same time you want people that are absolutely brilliant when it comes to uh, communication and you, like a good customer support agent like needs to do many things very well, especially in a B two B sales environment, which is you know, you're dealing with a complex product and you know, there's other factors at play you sometimes need to understand the business of your customer so uh, you, you're asking for a lot from a potentially junior person well not 
paying a lot very often. I think I see that changing though, because more and more companies are understanding that like, okay, this is actually quite important. But um, uh, filling those uh, positions is can be difficult uh, uh, in many companies that view this function as a cost center, which I completely disagree with. Uh, there, the the turnover is also very very big. So people come and they go and stay for three months, and the net result of that can be that uh, you're, you you will never get somebody on the on the other end who actually is an expert. And that's that's kind of the struggle when it comes to this function. But um, as mentioned, I also see that this is changing quite rapidly when it comes to certain modern industries uh, where it's very, very obvious that this is not just a cost center uh, like it has has been perceived for a long time. I'm so glad to hear that you feel that that is changing because, um, yeah, I, I recognize that situation that you described, that there are uh, sometimes hired a lot of junior junior uh, positions to that when it's really, you're the fit, when you're a customer support, you're the face to the customer. Exactly, and that's, yeah. that's really important. So I'm really relieved to hear that you feel that it's it's changing. Yeah, we were nodding, nodding here like crazy <laughs> in case you didn't, couldn't see that, but... Um, this is yeah, actually, and, and it, yeah. I just wanted to add that like it's perfectly fine to hire juniors into that role. It's just a question of like what is the rest of it? Uh, like how many more senior people do you have around, and how well are the juniors trained, and will they stick around? Yeah, and the and support that, that they get. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What do you think? Kind of, how do you see the role of marketing in in customer support? Because obviously, it's filled with communications and all that, like you just yeah. said. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, one one thing that I have been saying for many years is that I believe that in SaaS, especially customer support, is actually sales and marketing in disguise. Uh, because uh, if you if you look at the the number of interactions that customer support will have, supposed customer support, uh, you know the, the 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 cost that needs to be optimized and outsourced to you know, uh, Asia. Uh, they will very often have 10 times as many interactions with the customer as the sales department, for example. Uh, so, And that was precisely what we saw at Pipedrive as well, which was that um, the sales team was struggling to make a certain number of contacts, like reaching out and nobody really wants to talk to a salesperson. Uh, uh, so so like they were struggling to make the numbers like they were doing good for a sales team but like if you compared the absolute numbers to the contacts that were happening in customer support then that was 10 times as big so uh for me it always seemed that we should try to make this as good as possible because if we're having so many contacts then this will inevitably shape the perceptions of our users and trial users especially a lot more even than some of the other efforts and i'm glad you um mentioned the should we call it holy trinity of marketing sales and customer support mm-hmm. um am i am i reading too much into your answer if i'm if i'm saying that uh in your view marketing sales and customer sh- support should be uh working together and there should be something 
Um, yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? How, because obviously there are companies where that doesn't happen. The marketing is different. Sales is different. Customer support is different. How would you advise companies to bring them closer together to, to actually work more in benefit of customer support? I think, uh, um, it's, it's, it's good to keep them, uh, as close together for as long as possible, which is what we did as well at Klaus, because we're also dealing with uh, relatively uh, high value uh, leads and accounts. Uh, so it's it's not as transactional maybe as in some other companies. So, so it's really, really important that we don't uh, let anything slip. And for that reason, we, we kept the, the customer facing role uh, universal for for the longest time like only this year now when it became uh, uh, impractical to to have like the same people reacting to incoming chats like that we kind of separate those roles but for the first three years I guess uh, we only had like one customer facing role and that was uh, that that included everything uh, that that went into it so customer support tasks, sales and customer success tasks as well. Marketing was separate, but nevertheless, uh, always, always very close. So I would say that the problems begin when you uh, uh, develop these silos and then if you let them go further and further, then if at some point uh, you as the head of the department, for example, feel like, you know, marketing is all there is and you don't talk to these people that have all these contacts with uh, customers, then it's, it's, it's easy to start making plans and taking action uh, in, in, uh, in a vacuum. Uh, you don't, because you don't engage with those other functions and departments, then you will make all your plans purely based from, from the marketing angle. And that's, it's a natural thing that will happen if you're not exposed to like all, all the other stuff that is happening. And that's how you start optimizing for costs and customer support, for example, because nobody else is telling you like, Hey, actually we should also consider, uh, the, 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 the purpose of our marketing department. And if we do things in a certain way, then that will actually benefit us as well and for that the entire company so what you will see across big corporations is everybody working in their own silos and then they will eventually understand that like oh we have we have these silos and then they will try to mitigate things uh, retroactively and uh, it's not going to be as good as trying to design things uh, the right way let's say from the beginning where you don't ever let them even drift apart. And of course, for us, it's easy to preach because we're still like a pretty young company and I don't know how, how well, well we will manage this in the future, but so far we've kept like those departments very, very close to each other. Um, actually, I, I do want to dive a bit, a bit deeper into what you just mentioned about your own marketing and customer support. You mentioned that at the beginning, at least marketing was a bit separate, even though still working, working closely together. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about how does your own 
marketing work together with with your own customer support at the at the moment and what do you think are the best practices you could share to other companies about that um sure like the the short answer is that we don't really think about it very much but because it's 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 all um so unified like everybody is in the same slack channels everybody's in the same meetings everybody gets the same inputs and in that sense like there isn't like a whole lot of management of this going on because like we're you know the same people in the same meetings uh talking about the same things everybody kind of adds their their angle and uh it's it's just like all like completely infused so it's it's a little bit difficult to even describe it because uh there's almost no part of of uh like what customer support or marketing does that is is uh, unknown to the other so uh we can take the example of uh some promoters so like somebody gives us a, like a really nice review somewhere that gets shared in a channel that includes all the marketing people, all the customer facing people. And then quite organically, like something arises where either customer support requests it or marketing suggests it that like, Hey, we should maybe send something nice to this person because they left such a like, glowing review for us. So, so at our stage, uh, where company of about 50 people it's all still pretty organic so there's not processes and rules of like how marketing and customer support should engage with each other it's it's in many ways it's like still the same team in that sense let's dive into practicalities a tiny bit so if a SaaS company would actually um start want to start building a customer support function where would they start? What would you recommend? How to dive in? Hire some good people. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Everything else is kind of secondary. At what point do you invest mm. in, in technology? Right away, because uh, most of the modern tools, they, like, it's not like a massive barrier to entry in terms of cost. Usually, like, you can you can pay for a single license and that will be a a reasonable cost for any company uh i do believe that many of the the platform providers intercom and zendesk they have programs for startups where if you're just getting started you will get some massive discount or even free service um so i don't really see that the 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 cost is is a big barrier in terms of getting modern modern tools and there are many tools out there these days okay let's take a step a bit further so let's say i i have a SaaS company we're no longer a small startup where we've we've grown a bit bigger and now we're growing fast and i i feel like our customer support setup that we have is completely inadequate to the the growth that we we're having so what do i do to start scaling the customer yeah. support i i think uh two things uh and then everything else kind of follows first is to get 
somebody in charge of it, like even if it's a single person, somebody to own it. Uh, and I've seen many, many experiments uh, of like uh, everybody doing support and it's kind of a romantic cliche that uh, we, we care about our customers so much that everybody does customer support, but the reality is often pretty ugly uh, if that's that's the, the attempt. It's always like well-meaning, but usually it ends with uh, lots of people doing a very half-assed job and the customer actually suffering because of it. So I would not recommend that. Uh, you can have it like as a little team building exercise and whatnot, but uh, have somebody in charge, like somebody who should ultimately be responsible for it, uh, as, as is the case for pretty much everything else. And uh, then the second thing is uh, get some kind of a dedicated tool. So, uh, there are many out there, so depending on what your needs are and what kind of a business you are, you might the answer might be slightly different. Uh, I do find um, most young companies uh, benefiting from Intercom the most because they do uh, many of the things that are relevant for a young company and they are not... Um, so Zendesk, for example, which is... The, the kind of default for many companies is very good, but it's also one of those tools that does uh, everything. So therefore it's not like a dedicated solution for any of those particular things. And in for startups, I've, I see that uh, using, using like a really good chat-like solution is most important. And that's kind of what Intercom does. But uh, nevertheless, Zendesk uh, often is the answer to almost every question. So if you have more sophisticated needs and you want mm, telephony in there as well, that that's often the answer. And there's there's like a long, long list of uh, all kinds of t tools that will serve your needs very well, depending on what your specific situation is. So what what are, if you start doing things and kind of building things? or uh, customer support up, um, what kind of things do you think that you need to be aware of? I mean, there's uh, not all that much to it. Like what you want is to give uh, answers quickly to customers. Uh, you want the answers to be good and you want them to be nice. So try to follow those free principles, like whatever way you can. And I would say that's all there is to it. So uh, that's it's a it's it's a very simplistic way of putting it, but it's it's also a little bit like somebody telling you, well, just be a good human 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 being. And it's a simple advice, but not always that easy to follow, right? So, and that was actually our motto at the Pipe Drive uh, support team as well, which was give fast and useful answers with a human touch. So that was our mantra. And we tried to make sure that each of those three components was followed because um, if you remove one of those, then it's going to be a bad experience for the customer. Because if, if you give good answers uh, with a nice human touch, but they arrive a week too late, then by that time, your customers will be 
shopping with a competitor. If the answers are quick and nice, but not actually useful, then like, what's the point? And if you get quick answers, uh, there are good solutions, but the, the person on the other end is a bit of a dick, then that's not really uh, a good experience either. So you should try to make sure that all, all, all of those uh, things get addressed and um, for the for making sure that nothing falls through the cracks like that's where you should uh, that's why you should get some kind of a tool which uh, helps you do that because uh, you can get somewhere with just using Gmail for customer support but as the volume increases and you have more conversations happening at the same time and especially if you have more than one person then things will fall apart without a tool i actually had one question regarding that that um you had you mentioned that that was your kind of initial the mantra of three um topics um has it actually evolved now that you've become bigger and kind of uh, actually no that has uh, that remained the same and i believe they, they they still actually repeat that mantra like somebody told me that this, I think it still gets repeated and talked about and uh, I kind of still believe that it, it's it's a pretty good simple way of looking at things uh, because as a customer service is also um, the, the people responsible for it are also prone to overthinking because it's a it's a kind of a messy area. There's always like lots of stuff happening, and even if things are good, you don't always feel that things are good. So um, weird weird things happen sometimes. Uh, companies try to get rid of it altogether. Uh, some people get the idea that the best customer service is the one that doesn't exist, uh, which I don't agree with like especially in a b2b okay, maybe you can get away with that kind of, um, statement in in some industries more than others but not in b2b sauce like, that's ridiculous like you want to talk to your customers so like there's a reason why ferrari doesn't offer chatbots for talking to their customers like it's the relationship that is valuable so you shouldn't try to uh, optimize all uh, away all conversations. You should optimize it to the point where it's manageable for you in terms of the volume. But you do want to talk to your customers, and you should. I love that. Yeah, it's not rocket science. Keep no. it simple. Hmm. Um, we we we've kind of touched upon the issue of cost, or or you have in some of your answers. So. Um, uh, usually, we'll talk a little bit about that. Usually, when companies start to scale their operations, management is interested in in results and return on investment. Well, they're interested in that all the time, but um, especially when we start scaling, that usually requires investments and whatnot. So, how should customer support operations be showing their return on investment? How do you measure that? Or, or is that even even possible? Is it more than just cost? And... <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I were to get in, like too deep into a conversation with like company executives as a support leader, I would probably say like, you know what, guys? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, like, obsessing, like, of course you should 
keep costs reasonable, but obsessing about like specific ROI and customer support is uh, goes back to this example of like being a good human being. Like, like what is the ROI? What is really the ROI of being a good human being? Like, what is the ROI of like not being an asshole? Like, tell me specifically, what are the numbers? Like, if that's the discussion that you're having with uh, executives, then yeah, like I would simply not rather even engage in that because it's it's not like there needs to be some kind of a fundamental belief that uh, having good service is worth it and shouldn't. So like if the ROI calculation do doesn't come in like with the correct numbers that like you should now outsource it to the lowest cost location like that uh, recent line of reasoning for me is just fundamentally flawed. Like there needs to be a belief that uh, it is fundamental to have great customer service. It is important that we talk to our customers in a way that is 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 good and nice and beneficial for them and us, and not think about it as a cost. Uh, so sure, like it's it's uh, there there's some kind of like reasonable limit to how much uh, you want to spend on it. But at the same time, it can and should be viewed as an investment as well. So like if you are developing customer service and not counting every penny, then it is a, an investment into developing uh, your excellent customer service into a competitive differentiator. Time for the ad break. This podcast is brought to you by the growth marketing agency Advanced B2B helping B2B SaaS companies grow sustainably through marketing. Now we have a little treat for you if you head over to advancedb2b.com slash TGH to get a free marketing assessment and get some ideas for your marketing right away. So that's advancedb2b.com forward slash TGH for more info. And now back to the episode. Okay, so we talked about scaling customer support, but there's one thing I had no idea about, and that is that you can actually also optimize customer support. So can you maybe talk us through about what does it actually mean, optimize for what? I think uh, whatever you do in customer support should reflect what your goals are and what your business is. And um, the easiest example, for example, would be about channels. Uh, so when we first started in Pipedrive, we, I guess we didn't really think about it. Uh, and we had all the different ways that you can reach out to us. Uh, everything that every, every format that was possible existed. So you could call us, you could email us, you could chat with us, you could post in the community forums, everything. And, uh, we were, uh, constantly struggling. So the re response times weren't good. Um, uh, some of those channels, I would argue, were not even entirely suitable for what we were doing. Uh, like, for example, we had these community forums where people could post uh, could post feature requests. And the nature of feature requests is that you know, company usually takes it into account. If if it makes sense, they will develop it, but often they won't because doesn't align with their plan. So we had these community forums where somebody asked for something in year X, uh, they get an answer, somebody then finds this thread two years later, 
and is asking like, did you develop it now? The answer is like, no, we decided not to. And then it's like, oh my God, like for two years, you have still not developed this feature. So like that wasn't for, for me, for a sauce product, like that didn't seem like a, like a, the, the right e channel even. So we got rid of that, but then we still had emails and phones and chats and we're still kind of spread pretty thin. Uh, the customers weren't happy because they weren't getting uh, fast answers in all those channels. So we basically got rid of the traditional email support and we didn't actually get rid of it. We just like stopped advertising it. Uh, email still worked and uh, the same for phones. So we, we ultimately uh, focused only on chat and basically overnight all the metrics became better uh, because we were not having to deal with all these different channels and phone support especially it's a very luxurious format because you have one single person talking to one single person at a time and um, obviously the, the phone calls like you can't just hang up you need to uh, sometimes can take hours to solve an issue. And uh, while chat support, you can have multiple conversations going on at the same time and they're not like mutually, like you can have two or three chats going on at the same time and it's fine. So we basically decided to focus on the channel that uh, worked best for us uh, in the this online environment and became very good at that, even though we reduced the number of ways that you could reach out to us. So that I think that was probably like the best example of us optimizing something and then like have, having a better result for everybody involved ultimately. Oh, well, makes total sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it is it actually okay for a company to not offer customer support on certain channels? Because I feel like sometimes companies think we need to offer customer support on any channel that we can possibly think of. But is it fine just to leave it? I mean, like, it depends on the specific situation, uh, like what, what your resources are and what the customer expectation is as well. Because, you know... I don't think anybody would expect Google to have phone support for their search product. So it's just not feasible. So like there, it's it's a question of like resources and like whether it makes sense. So they obviously then have developed different ways of, of supporting customers mostly through like knowledge-based articles and such things. So I would say that uh, doesn't make sense to spread yourself too thin. Uh, very often, of course, it's just a question of total resources. So if, if uh, let's say a company has allocated too, too few resources, period, for customer support, then it doesn't matter like which uh, channels you use. Uh, so, so it's always a question of how can you make the best of the resources that you have? And I don't think in most cases, the answer is like have all the channels. Have all the channels, I would say, is the answer if your every single customer and every lead is very, very high value or it's some kind of like a critical thing that you do. Uh, so there it makes sense to have more ways than one to reach out. Uh, but for for very many companies, that's not the case. Now, for example, if you're 
an app developer, then it probably doesn't make sense to have phone support because everybody's you know, on the phone, like the mobile app anyway. So then you should probably focus on uh, support in-app. Uh, whereas um, I think a good example is also the food delivery uh, uh, companies. Uh, clearly you need to have some kind of a phone element there because if the courier is standing uh, outside, out the door with your hot food, then you're not going to send an email. So there it makes sense to have that particular way of reaching out, but uh, community forums is not the, the, the right channel for, for that situation. Makes sense. Mm. So how would actually you would go about uh, finding out the right channels? Yeah, I mean, there's two sides, like there's what you want to achieve and then there's what the customer wants to achieve. And typically it will come down to um, the resources you have to offer to service that format of talking to your customer. And then what is the expectation on the other side? So for example, uh, I think there are many, many industries and business areas where uh, email support is perfectly fine. Things that aren't super urgent. Um, and uh, they're, they're, if, if you're selling, I don't know, uh, tombstones. <laughs> then, Obviously, that's a happy. <laughs> don't necessarily need to have you know, five people urgently waiting to pick up the call, uh, like in a kind of a emergency response center. Like it's just, it's not like that's like the customer expectation isn't that. And uh, there, I wouldn't probably like put too much effort into it. And it's uh, there. There are also many industries where it's fine to not have a first response time on chat that is seconds because uh, the expectation just like isn't isn't quite that and I don't have like any particular formula I think the easiest way to figure out uh, what kind of response times and what kind of channels you should put put in place is to just think of yourself as the customer, like, what would you like to get? Like, what is the, what does good look like in this particular situation? So, and the, the answer will vary greatly. So, uh, there, there's, of course, there's, there's the uh, possibility of exceeding expectations and like over delivering where the expectations are modest. And that's always a good idea, but uh, it will come with a cost. So, so you should probably aim for, uh, doing what, what the customer assumes will be the, 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 the format and the, the speed to response, and then try to exceed it a little bit, but not by 10 times, because then you're probably like overspending. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference then between good customer support and great customer support? Um, uh, there's, there's like the things that you actually literally promise. And sometimes you do, sometimes it's written somewhere that we answer uh, emails in you know, no more than 24 hours, but then there's also the kind of assumed promise. 
that you have from experience with other businesses of that kind. And so uh, when I think um, it was tell it to my uh, telco provider that uh, at some point I got a I got an auto response that said that uh, for for an email that like we answer. Uh, customer requests within seven business days and and then like like i hadn't i don't re even remember like how much they actually took to answer it but then like already like my assumed response time or like what i assumed will be the kind of norm like that was completely uh destroyed because like who answers who, who needs seven business days to answer an email uh so so like there it was they they clearly already messed it up in in that uh that like very poor promise how about then uh if a company wants to compete against its its competitors in terms of its customer support so it wants to make customer support as a competitive advantage which is probably quite often, especially in SaaS world, where it's it's becoming difficult to compete in terms of features. So, does your answer then differ uh, for a company who wants to do that? What what's the difference difference then if they want to take that step? Yeah, and then I think uh, what needs to happen is that you like, need to try to make your your customer support like an order of magnitude better in some element. Uh, it can also be quite difficult because I think sauce companies are probably like in, in, the, in the good extreme of companies. Like often they're, you know, it's it's uh, young young ambitious people like building stuff and trying to be really good at everything that they do. So I think overall sauce uh, companies have uh, very good customer support if you compare them to some kind of. Uh, big corporations uh, so it can actually be quite difficult so uh, and that that kind of leads to like why we started Klaus is because uh, most everybody gives answers to requests that come in and most everybody gives them fairly quickly so you like if you reach out to your average sauce company you're not gonna wait for an answer for two weeks like they I would say usually are very quick and they're nice and i think the the more difficult part is competing on the the quality and that's that's why klaus exists and that's how uh how we see that the the, the next battles will be fought like you need to not only everybody gives good answer or everybody gives quick answers and nice answers but the the quality of the solutions like that's that's a lot more difficult to maintain as you scale. So like if you have uh, 50 people working in a support team and 40 of them started within the past three months, they're not going to be experts and then it's going to fluctuate wildly, like what kinds of answers you get. And um, that's why you kind of need to systematically review, you need to train and coach your people and uh, that's where the difference will come from in the SaaS sector, I believe, uh, to make the, the people that talk to your customers actual experts as well, uh, so that they, they are authorities that they are, can consult uh, beyond just giving you a simple answer to the question that was asked. 
so that they kind of see the big picture and all that. But then we get into this paradox of like, if you train somebody to be that good, then very quickly there will be another department that's like, wow, wow this person's super competent, like we want to hire them. It's been great talking to you, Martin. Uh, so we're super grateful that you took the time to drop I by enjoyed it. to our boss podcast. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks for having me. And that's it. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And in fact, we would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so tell us what you thought. Anything we missed, anything you'd like us to revisit. Let's keep the conversation going on on Twitter at SARS Growth Hub or on LinkedIn at the SARS Growth Hub podcast. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe to Growth Hub on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. Until next time, cheers! cheers.